Hello everyone, welcome to NFL Unwrapped. We're back with another exciting episode. Wild Card Weekend's in the books. It was a exciting weekend for sure. Uh, moving on to the divisional round, but before we talk about that and some coaching changes and some other stuff going on around the league, I want to first of all welcome my two co-hosts. I know Christian isn't too strong. I'm sorry, my two hosts Thank along you. with me which would be co-hosts Thank you. uh christian mcgowan and perry aston guys what's, how are you doing what's up guys i love football right now cowboys moved on to the next round i'm the only one here on the group that predicted that as you all know i'm a big cowboys fan i gave christian everything i had on the phone call right after the game i know you guys remember last episode him saying he would come and find me wherever i was at that very moment <laughs> just to see how i would feel at that very second and i would just honestly believe that so i was really hoping that it would go the other way for me and i shot him with a phone call outside of my work and it's just okay. yelled, I, yelled I, at the top of my lungs I multiple times and then just hung up so it's cool That's moving cool. on to the next it round is. i'm just saying I so far it. I have had the most accurate predictions for our preseason episode and so far for our playoffs. I'm three for four, and they're two for two for four. So so far, it's okay. if you're gonna trust someone, trust Perry. It's okay. All the, I'm saying the, is the sun. The sun shines on even a dog's ass once in a while. It just works out. Better what a for weird me. saying. Like, is that a thing? Just, everyone a gets sun lucky. Shine, the sun even shines ass. on a dog's ass. The broken once in a while. clock one is probably, outside, yeah, that, that, probably, probably an easier one. Perry, all that I means like now is my Rams just, just get to. Beat your Cowboys. That's all that it means. Hey, I'm in you, LA. You beat. I'm in LA. I love not, it. I love it. I this is the Cowboy it. fan pinnacle. Okay, well, it. if you beat me, I live somewhere else. No, I'm I've just saying. No, all I'm saying is this. Being in LA and seeing the Rams in the playoffs and having them play my favorite team is going to be such a fun game for me to watch. But I'm <laughs> going to say, like, I've obviously I've said, as a guy that covers, the, covers football, I predicted last time they were going to lose to the Rams or Saints, either one. I told you I would have predicted them to lose to Houston or Indianapolis if that was their opening round. So I, I'm hoping with all my heart that they do move on, but someone that's just going to make unbiased predictions, I don't think they had a chance against the Saints or the Rams. But if they do have a chance, they had zero against the Saints. So they got the easier of the two routes because the Saints aren't going to lose. Even though they beat. Yeah, yeah, They're not going to lose twice, especially after that ass beating. I promise you they yeah. would have had no chance. For the Rams, I guess you can catch McVay on a bad day. But you're gonna have to get really lucky, and that defense gonna have to figure it out. So I, if they got a better route. Let's, but I, I mean, we'll, we'll save that, I guess, for a little bit further. Sorry, we'll just, Cowboys just, suck. Move on. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into that in a second. I just want to remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. You can follow Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston, and Christian on Twitter, as always, at McGowan75. Uh, also, make sure to listen to us on the podcast.com platform as well as the apple itunes podcast app while you're on the apple itunes podcast app if you could give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy of it if not i mean we're always open to criticism but we do appreciate those five-star reviews um so with that let's just get right into it we had the wild card weekend last week um let's start off talking about the cowboys and the seahawks um, so this game yeah, was Harry, it was crazy. It was Dak Prescott really put the team on his back at the end with that run because it was third and long, and he went and ran not just for obviously the first down, but he went in for the touchdown. It was a run that was insane. He got flipped up all types of ways and got up, was all hyped. I know at the end of the game, Zeke was asked what he thought about that run. He's like, I don't know, that's a grown-ass man right there. Like, I don't know if you guys saw what I like. You could see it. Like, that dude put the team on his back right there, and that's from Zeke, who just was a bell cow as always doing what he does, and that defense held it down, but they got lucky at the end of that game with the Seahawks, who did make a last-second push. 
their cooker, uh, kicker, Sebastian Janikowski, went down with an injury that game, and they had their backup in, who I believe was their punter, and he just had one, one job, was kick an onside kick, and the ball hit the ground before him actually kicking it. It came off all awkward, and it pretty much so just pop, popped up like 20 yards into the hands of a cowboy who just kind of laid down, and then they were able to just kneel the game away. So not saying that they had a chance at the end to to really win. I'm not going to say that was what happened, but they didn't even give him a shot. That was an I like awful, Janikowski too. awful onside kick. Janikowski, oh, it, it looked like a pretty gruesome injury. Honestly, he he was he looked like he was in a lot of pain when he grabbed that leg. And so hopefully he's good. But for the Seahawks, they had a shot at the end, and that was the probably the worst onside kick. Yeah, ever, when that onside ever, kick ever, happened, ever. I was watching it by myself, and I'm set out there like, what the hell was that? I did the Jason Garrett clap. I was like. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. On to the next. squib it and just like dart it into someone's it was face. Just, he was caught in between squibbing it or doing a real onside kick. To be fair, though, that wasn't who would normally be kicking the onside oh, kick. Of course. To be fair, I expect a kicker to kick all to kind kick. of kicker ways, no matter what the kicker, <laughs> kicker, kicker, kicker situation. True. Kick it. How kicker. many kicks in a kick right. kick? Let's move on to um, one of the three upsets. So Cowboys were the only home team that actually won. Yeah. Trash. Um, <laughs> So the number six Colts upset the number three Texans twenty-one to seven. We this was that. one that we all yeah. called. Yeah, Christian, we all. This was our upset. Our first we one. Really, we all agreed we on. Yeah, it. the the biggest takeaway I had from that though was just how bad Deshaun Watson looked. Uh, he had uh, Trevor Lawrence. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Maybe you can look at it from a game manager standpoint. The stats were there. I mean, he was going earning first downs. He was running his ass off. Like there was multiple runs that you could tell there was no one else on that team that had any skill that day. Nobody woke up. The running game was completely gone. Lamar Jackson, Alfred Blue, they were no, sorry, not Lamar Jackson, Lamar Miller and Blue were nowhere <laughs> to be found. It was ridiculous. And DeAndre Hopkins got shut down. He was actually playing injured. Is yeah. something that was released after the game. There was a time. He he said he couldn't even shake players' hands with his right hand at the end of the game or lift his arm above, I believe it was, you know, shoulder length. So he was a tough guy. I mean, they really put out whatever they could, but I'm not going to put this on Deshaun Watson. I'm going to put this on the full team effort. Um, the Colts looked very good, well-oiled machine, very well coached, and that defense had no chance. I'm going to put that on the Texans team as a whole. As we all said, it was going to be more of just how impressive the Colts were going to be upsetting right now. And I know Christian said last week the, the Texans are – they're hot, but the Colts are hotter, and this yeah. is going to kind of be... Watson just... It wasn't even just Hopkins, though. He was just missing He just people. didn't it look Ryan good. Griffin for a touchdown. It was, ever, it was everyone. Yeah, it just, just... Everyone. The Texans are more steps away from the Super Bowl than we thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were a team that really could compete right now. I don't want to say they should hit the drawing board, but offensive firepower in terms of who they have... Well, their offensive line... Dude. So many, so many questions. Yeah. I don't like Lamar Miller. Only person I like is Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins on their right. offense, and that is it. They got rid of yeah. uh, Dwayne, their left tackle. They traded him to the Seahawks. I liked him, even though he's getting old. But right. God, there's just yeah. so many freaking holes. And the way that the Texans are kind of based, like they get such a regular. They can win games, and they never really suck enough to get the picks that they need. I mean, I know they got Jadavion Clowney, but. They're going to be a good team, but not bad enough to get the firepower they need. So, free agency, I, they just need to do something. I mean, they like, grabbed Demarius Thomas. They got to make moves like that over and over again. They have to do something to strengthen the team. Obviously, yeah, they came up big on the draft with Deshaun Watson, but you can't bank on that. And their defense, their defense played really well overall. The first first quarter, I think the Colts scored on their first three possessions or three of their first four, and the only other one was a 
fumble, I believe, in the red zone. Um, but other than that, their defense shut out the Colts the rest of the game. It's just offensively, you got absolutely nothing from Defense doesn't anywhere. matter in the NFL. If you don't have an offense, you exactly. can't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, we're going to move on to the next game. We're going we're gonna to move on to the next game. Chargers upsetting the Ravens, technically 5C Chargers, upsetting the number 4 Ravens. An- another, though, with another quarterback who could. Even though we all... Ravens, the Ravens were down 23-3 to with yeah. 6 minutes and 52 seconds left, and they had a shot to win it. And going yeah. back to last week's predictions, I believe Christian and I... I said Chargers for oh, sure. I said Chargers. Chargers. Oh, so all three of us. This is another one with the Colts that we all said that we're going to technically, you can call this an upset, but they went to Baltimore to play the number one defense in the NFL. So yes, this is an upset. And Lamar Jackson play, was very hot, started the game ice cold and people are already booing already trying to send in joe flacco we even put up a poll at some point in the game it was only lasting an hour long asking who he'd want to finish the game and you guys said flacco so a lot of people did they i was i was saying why why would you put flacco in now you completely tended your offense to lamar jackson you need to just ride with what you got and then you saw the end of the game he really stepped it up and he almost won that game but yeah. the you guys Chargers, see how the they looked look on good. the sidelines next to each other? Yeah, Joe awesome. Flacco would just stare <laughs> yeah. in a straight spot. RG3 would like pick his nose and like wipe it on him. Like, no, it was that's it was really probably awkward. the most tumultuous quarterback room in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. I actually thought going into the second half they should have gone with Joe Flacco, but then yeah. Corbin's one of those guys. By the time the third quarter started to wind down in the fourth quarter, like you missed your shot with Flacco, just oh, ride yeah. out with Dude, screw Flacco. They already happens. made their decision a while ago. You send him off that way. You don't yeah. bring him in for a quarter to have him suck, and you say, "Damn, you doubted your guy." The you, only you picked the interesting thing would be is if guy. he brought them back and they won that yeah. game. Then what? Do he you also do did win them a Super Bowl. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, he earned a contract out of it. One of a massive. That's one. true. Ray Lewis also killed someone and got away with it. So over to the next, the biggest upset of the week: the Eagles beating the Bears just by a finger. I mean that. Uh, the point is a point. A win is a win. So Nick Foles, of course, adding to his legacy as one of the luckiest, most clutch quarterbacks in postseason history. He just has yeah, it. he's just when you put him in, he's he's your guy. And I I'm going to go back to this argument of is the Eagles a better team with Foles at the helm or with Wentz? Not saying which is a better quarterback. But you look they at the play team. better with they play better with Foles, and it is I, and it's I know just what it is. it's something Foles. that it is. I'm not going to tell you that Foles is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, but I'm going to tell you that the Eagles are a far superior team when it matters, especially with Nick Foles and Nick Foles and getting himself a contract, or they're finally going to be able to get themselves oh, a take out of this. <laughs> but Nick Foles, when they have him there, the Eagles are confident. Last year, I agree. Oh, I'll. You said you won't tell them that Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. I will tell you he is not a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. That's but what I for just said. Whatever reason, for whatever reason, they just play better with Nick Foles. And I talk about this with If it ain't broke, don't I, fix it. I talk about this with uh, one of the people that I work with, Matt Bandini. Shout out to you, Matt. Uh, calls him Big Dick Nick, BDN, because when the playoffs come up, for whatever reason. 9-1 and one in the playoffs. Best passer rating of any quarterback in NFL history. And this is someone who in the regular season is average, and that would probably be a compliment to say he's average. Playoffs come, Big Dick Nick steps up to the plate. He's the epiphany, or not the epiphany, the equivalent of 
not showing up to any classes, then showing up for your final and getting a 98 and still passing. Like, <laughs> what the hell? You can go to one class. Yeah. It's old St. Nick, and they got extremely <laughs> yeah. lucky, yeah. of course, getting this win handed to them. So the field goal gets blocked from Cody Parkey, and at first it just looked like a missed kick, but mm-hmm. then afterwards the NFL changed the ruling to be a tipped... Which it was. Tipped ball. Tavon, yeah, Tavon Asher, he was the one that blocked it, and he, he said after the game that he did get a piece of it. And not that that news makes Cody Parkey or Bears fans feel any better, mm-hmm. but he didn't shank it. Regardless if he shanked it or not, if you it didn't go in, get online exactly. or That's you you, you in a bar like swish death or like something negative upon this guy for missing a kick. Yeah, you can be mad. I cursed out Dude. Eric Kreitz in the yeah. locker room one time for missing a kick, but. <laughs> I wouldn't. You got to realize that this is a game, and if you tell someone to go kill yourself, yeah, no, go kill yourself. You're going to get a Derrick Rose type response on the internet, and that's just not acceptable. I saw some people (laughs) just threatening him to a different level, and the words they were using. I was on Twitter, and I just like was baffled the fact, and obviously those accounts probably got suspended. It was that bad, and I just sitting there like, you guys are humans. Like, who gives? At the end of the day, it's a game. Yeah, you could be like. Yeah, dumbass, you had one job. Like right. that's dude, I, dude. And I agree with that. I, I saw a meme with the bird box, Sandra Bullock, so, and I thought it was perfect. God. It was hilarious, and it's <laughs> in perfect taste for the internet. But you're going to go and make slurs about it and threatening his family. Yeah. And, stuff. and no, he's like, such a nice on. guy. He missed the guy's field like, goal. He, he faced the media after the game. He pointed to, you know, you, you do something good and you, you point up, point to God. He missed the yeah, field goal, and he I still pointed up. Like, I mean, he still went and prayed midfield before running off to the locker room and getting booed. He still sat with everyone else. Like, he didn't just right. leave. And your point about him facing the media, that is not easy. No, I may not have. That, I don't think I could have, honestly. That is I, I the know. only job you have. You're on the field for three, right. four snaps in the game. And that's so shitty. They would never interview him unless he made the game winner. Even if he made the game winner, there's a chance they won't interview him. But, oh, he misses the one. God, I feel for him. That big dick parky. You want to get in front of the media? That is all human beings. I mean, None his of us contract is guaranteed that. next year, so Bears fans, get over it, or you're going to have to cut that, take that right. loss on your cap. And you're going to have another Robert Agabit, whatever his name Out of was. Oh, whatever. that was so bad. Yeah, Roberto Aguayo. Yeah. Uh, but even though, so the Eagles, we all got that pick wrong, but Most of my, too, so. my bet that I made, I still was able to find some success. I did a four-team teaser, got seven points on each of the underdogs, so I had the Colts plus eight and a half, Seahawks plus eight and a half, Chargers plus ten, and Eagles plus thirteen and a half, so it's a good weekend for me. I mean, and the and the Bears lost. Two for four. I hate the Bears, so. They're both two Isn't for four. Pat- I'm, I'm three bad. for four. They didn't lose. They didn't lose this week. This weekend. What are you talking about? Gotta be in to win it. So we're going to keep our predictions going and into the next round where the number six Colts at the number one Chiefs on Saturday at 4.35 Eastern. And Chiefs. So Christian starts, he's Chiefs. Chiefs. I think the Colts have a chance. I wouldn't be shocked if they win, but yeah, Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs as well. So we're I, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm interrupt. I just don't feel... I feel like the Chiefs will win, but it's not going to be a pretty game. I don't know what it is. I feel like this game is going to be a weird one. They have you, to scrap Patrick Mahomes. You think Mahomes. it's going to be a low-scoring game? Not necessarily low, but it's like Pat Mahomes throws one left-handed touchdown and like... I don't know, it's just like a scrappy, like, okay. not a good but, game. It's going to be a kick, kick, a kick I, return for a touchdown from Tyreek Hill Exactly, but yeah. it's like Pat Mahomes has like a 36% completion. You know, it's just an ugly, I think this will be an ugly game. This will be a ug- drink for this one. See, you're scaring me because part of my teaser for this it? week, I did a teaser on the over, so I got seven points down to 50. 
or 49 and a half. So if this game hits 50, I'll be happy, but we'll see. Corbin, you have a problem. <laughs> That's seriously, this is a teaser. Oh, so, Perry, teaser. Teaser. Christian? so Christian, do you want to take the over-under on how bad his addiction is? Uh, I'll take the over because... Plus two. Plus two. Plus two and a half. Uh, he'll take on the under no matter yeah. what. It's another thing. It's Matt's fault. He got me into it. Uh, shout out, Matt. So we are <laughs> on to our next game. The number four <laughs> Cowboys at the number two Rams. Saturday, 8-15 Eastern. Uh, we're going to start with Christian. Do we have to ask? Yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that's our segment. Respond. That's our Corbin, segment. what's your answer? We have you, to ask. If, you ha- if you've listened to any episode, you should know. You, you know our answers. You know both of our answers. I mean, Perry, with, Perry, what's, I just want to hear yours. That's I mean, all what I'm Considering I'm the only one that gives unbiased takes out of the oh three of God. us when it comes to football, okay. I'm the one that predicted that they would go ahead and lose this game because even though I'm a Cowboy fan and would love to see them move on and would definitely pound the shit out of Christian and Corbin with how happy I'll be. They wouldn't be able to stand I'll me. I'll change my phone number. It's still, <laughs> the Rams are going to win this game. That's what I predicted, and I think they're going to go on to the Super Bowl, like I said. I do think the Cowboys have a chance in this uh, game. I do, though. too. It's, it scares me, but... Especially with no, early... They've been, play, they've been playing extremely well. well. They've been playing extremely well. CJ they deserve nice. to be there. And it's that defense that will give them this chance because the Rams, as I said before the podcast, guys, if they played the Saints and it didn't work out that way with the Eagles upsetting the Bears, they would have had no chance. There's no way the Saints lose again after the way that they lost against Dallas. In my opinion, when they, if they were playing the Saints, there is a 0% chance the Saints and Drew Brees are going to run right over them. With the Rams, you can catch them on a bad day, yeah. and you've seen it happen. As we've seen with Even the though they're at home where they clearly play a lot better, and I'm not saying this is an easy matchup for the Cowboys, but there is a chance because, in my opinion, if they were playing the Saints, I would have just moved on to the next There's game. always a chance. and uh, Something that actually kind of goes against what you said, one of the hardest things, or actually goes with what you said, one of the hardest things to do in football is to beat a team twice, yeah. right. and it goes against the Cowboys them already beating the Saints right that's, w- that's what was my thought process yeah. and how good of a coach Peyton yeah. is and with Drew Brees I've, I've been told that, that since team. I was a little kid so <laughs> I, I go with that logic now this is the one where I feel like it's I, I want to say a clear-cut upset because going against Tom Brady is unconventional but the Chargers should beat the Patriots oh moving on to Chargers and yes Patriots. yes on paper, the Chargers should beat the Patriots, but I do not feel confident in any way saying so that. So this is going to be in Foxborough, and it's going to be Sunday, one of the Sunday games at 105 Eastern. I agree with you. The Chargers, I predicted this at the last last time we recorded. All Super Bowl. Chargers are moving on. Uh, I don't I don't know about the all the all Super Bowl there because I did Shh. say the Chiefs were going to move on, but I do think that they are going to beat the Patriots regardless if if it's in New England. Yeah, wait, so Christian, are you taking the charge? I'm taking the charge, but I. It gives me diarrhea just thinking about it. <laughs> I. Yes, you're both right that the Chargers in a vacuum should win this game. The thing that concerns me so much is that it's in Foxborough, it's going to be really cold, and on top of that, it's supposed to be snowing on Sunday. Chargers play in LA. Philip Rivers is not an LA boy, though. But he's been playing in L.A. slash San Diego for the last however many years. And, I mean, he played college football at North Carolina State. That's not exactly He's from the boonies. I'm just saying. The team overall, though, Mm -hmm. that's what really concerns me. So who do you pick? 
I am sorry, mom and dad, because I told you guys to bet on the Chargers to win the Super so Bowl. Your whole family the has a problem. What the fuck? Wow, they're all betting. I wonder where it comes uh, from. Ooh. No, you know what? I'll I'll. Corbin, I bet you six <laughs> bucks you'll be six feet tall. Yeah, his dad's like six bucks. You can't pour cereal faster than I can. <laughs> go. Uh, Over under two point five. Go go go. How did we never see this? Dude, oh, Jesus. We're gonna move but, on. No, 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 you know what? I'll, I'm staying with the Chargers. I'll go Chargers, oh, but I don't. This is the one I'm least confident in. Oh, by far. Corbin will pull his hair out and Corbin put flip six flops. More bets. Corbin flip flops more than my rainbows. I would definitely like, buy a few points with the Chargers. I even though I don't know what buying points means. I don't gamble that much. <laughs> See, I thought you were worse than me. I just place the bet and then I win it. It's just not that more complicated. <laughs> so the number six Eagles at the number one Saints Sunday at 4:40 Eastern. We're gonna start with Christian on who you think is gonna win this game, dude. Saints. Big Dick Nick apparently keep this going. All right. If Nick Foles wins, my first child will be Nick Foles, boy or girl. That's <laughs> how Foles. confident I am. Saints a hyphenated first name, Nick Hyphen Foles. No. Dude, she will get so many she. guys' attention. <laughs> she will. Uh, and Corbin, what do you think between the Eagles and Saints? Big Dick Nick climax against the Bears and Saints. You oh, thought about that 20 minutes ago, and I'm so glad you had the confidence to say it. <laughs> uh, he, he wrote that up on the car on the way here. I'm going Saints. They have a great team, and I'm just blessed the Cowboys aren't playing them. Great. Open and shut. And so we already made our kind of predictions past that. If you want to listen to our last episode and jump in on that, you can hear it. Christian, all eyes Super Bowl. As I said, I spoiled mine. Obviously, I said the Chiefs. I think you can get an idea of where all of our heads are at with this Super Bowl moving forward. And we'll talk a little bit more after this divisional game, after the divisional game, so we can see a little bit more. And onto the coaching carousel, and a lot has developed since last week when we brought this up. I wanted to start with assistant coaches, coordinator positions before we move on to the head coach carousel. Starting with Dirk Cutter, the guy out of a job in Tampa Bay. He is back with his old job, offensive coordinator on the Falcons, and they hired Mike Murdoch as tight end coach. So those are two former head coaches that they hired onto the squad uh, in Atlanta, because Mike Murdoch used to be the head coach for the Titans. So for this offense, they have a head coach, obviously, who can look at kind of all sides of the ball, and but he's not necessarily offensive-minded, but you've got a guy like Dirk Cutter and Mike Murdoch, both with head coach experience. I'm not going to go too crazy about it, but it, um, I think it is good moves to get guys that have experience and put them in coordinator positions. It's, it's better than Steve Sarkeesian as your offensive coordinator. Yeah, well, you that, don't like him taking Xanax that's and a frat drinking star. and giving speeches? That's a frat star. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know that was a good hire, though. How does that work at University of Washington Then he comes to USC and it doesn't work? Like, I feel so gypped. Like, why can't we get the Xanax years where he just like wins and like does stuff? I mean, he switched plugs, obviously. God, we have I such good drugs down here. God dang. Ago. The next Coordinator news, Kevin Stefanski, who was in the running to be the Browns head coach, decided to go back to Minnesota to be the Vikings offensive coordinator again. So back in Minnesota to try it again with Kirk Cousins and company. But on to the coach carousel, and I want to start with Tampa Bay since we just brought up Dirk Cutter and Bruce Arians, who is now their guy crazy because reports were that it was the Browns job or nothing. He had yeah. no interest at all in any coaching job except for the Browns. Next thing you know, he's in his press conference with, I believe it was a four-year deal in Tampa Bay. And along with him, now official as of today, it's Todd Bowles, the defensive co- coordinator uh, on the Bucks, and Byron Lefwich 
offensive coordinator who they had a relationship in Arizona. Byron Leftwich was a guy who took over as offensive coordinator when they fired Mike McCoy last year, the Cardinals. So he's bringing guys that he's close with. He, Bruce Arian said himself, Todd Bowles is like a son to him. He's excited to work together again in Byron Leftwich. They had that relationship in Arizona. So for the coaching staff, I feel very confident for the Tampa Bay with these moves. Not saying that the Buccaneers are anything special, and I'm not saying it was the most attractive job, but what I am saying is that Bruce Arians there, you're bringing in a guy, he's a two-time AP NFL Coach of the Year, 2012 and 2014. 2012 was when he was the interim head coach for the Colts, and then he won himself a new head coaching job with the Cardinals and won it again in 2014. And was a two-time Super Bowl champion as an assistant, so he knows how to win. He's a good guy, he's got rapport, he's like 60, so it shows the difference in the people that have been hired now there's i think two guys in their 60s with him and fangio and then the other ones are more mcveigh copies where they're in their 30s and very young Mm -hmm. offensive-minded guys so you see the range of what teams are looking for now but with bruce arians and with todd bowles and byron left which i'm feeling confident if i'm a tampa bay fan that at least this coaching staff is a lot better equipped than Dirk Cutter and company. And things have been so tumultuous since Lovey Smith. I think you, not that age matters, but you want a guy who will come in and provide stability. Part of that is dealing with Jameis Winston in the quarterback room, which has been right. just all over the place this year. He's starting, he's starting, he's doing well, he's doing bad. Right. So I like this a lot. Of, he's going to come in and kind of calm things down. I don't see instant success from the Bucks. I see them sucking again next year. But four-year deal... Four years from now, I think they could be a really good team, probably with another quarterback, hopefully a young guy. But there's pieces there in Tampa Bay. Like Mike Evans is an amazing wide receiver. O.J. Howard could really uh, bloom into an amazing tight end. Ali Marpet on the offensive line, they stole from a Division III school. Like there are pieces there. Yeah. They just need to wait it out, change the culture. Right. It's a culture change is what's needed. And one thing that I did want to add, the NFL initially told the Bucks that there was no compensation needed to hire Bruce Arians, but the Cardinals made a late minute run to say that they held Arians' rights. So the Buccaneers, instead of having uh, a dispute about this, sent a six-round pick to Arizona for Arians' rights and a seventh-round pick. So the Arizona Cardinals were sitting, sitting there, they were sitting there in the corner, like, "Oh wait, we can get a little something out of this," and they ended up sneaking away with a pick or two, even though clearly they were far past Bruce Arians. But. Even though the Cardinals, so Arians retired before uh, this past year, and then the Cardinals declined. He had a team option for this upcoming year. They had already declined it, but they were arguing that because he had retired, that's why they declined it. So they wanted some compensation, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, Arians makes sense to the Buccaneers, uh, whether they end up with Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick for this next year. Nick yeah, I mean, maybe no, Nick no, no. I, I, I think I think Jacksonville, I would be shocked if Nick Foles is still on the Eagles next year, unless they win the Super Bowl with him again and they decide to trade Wentz. Um, but Nick Foles, I think Jacksonville is going to just do whatever it takes to get him in as quarterback because they need help. Uh, but Arians... To the Bucks, he has a very vertical threat type passing offense. Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick both like to take shots deep. Mike Evans does yeah, too. Mike Evans. Uh, it's going to be oh, Humphreys, much, Godwin. They got a and yeah. you said OJ Howard. OJ like, Howard, their receiving core there is yeah. solid. They need to figure out. It's going to be a really a good bit. fit. And I think Rojo, um, even though he was a, such a minimal part, Ronald Jones from USC, who they drafted in the second round, was such a small part of their offense. I really think there is something there with him in that offense, and if they can get a passing culture to have a running back like that on their team, 
there's just so many ways you can go about it. The Bucks are just sky's the limit. Really yeah. excited for them. I just think really quickly with Ronald Jones. I think that running back position is the easiest transferable position from college to the pros in terms of the least learning curve and mm-hmm. just if you're good, you're going to be good, and if not, you're not. So that's what concerns me with Ronald Jones. But yeah, I'm not willing to just write him off yet. I'm going to put a lot of that blame on Dirk Cutter and yeah, on this. Some of it should so be I'm going to give a lot of credit to them for turning this around with the culture, not just with Bruce Arians, but Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. Complete revamp. I love the flip. You got to change the culture. You got to start there. On to the other coach that is a bit older, um, Vic Fangio. I believe he's in his 60s as well. He was most currently the defensive coordinator for the Bears. He is now the Broncos head coach. He was the Stanford defensive coordinator for Harbaugh and followed him to the 49ers when he made that NFL jump. So he does have good report. And with Harbaugh, who was a very good coach when he was at Stanford and with the 49ers, the reason why those teams were so successful, of course, he oh, it's such a big part of that, but Fangio was right there next to him and made that jump with him, so he knew. He relied on him, and he was older, brought a lot of guidance. I told you he was about in his 60s, just like Bruce Arians that we were just talking about. But after that, became the Bears defensive coordinator, and in, that was in 2015. In 2017, when their linebacker coach, when they fired him or you know whatever they did with him, he absorbed that position and became... He keyed his focus on the linebackers on top of the defense as a whole. So he did both jobs. And a guy that's highly respected, a guy that's going to make a lot of sense for the Broncos because you've got Gary Kubiak there who's calling the shots for offensive coordinator, another guy with head coaching experience, and a guy that knows offenses in the NFL very well. So Gary Kubiak there, now with Vic Fangio there focusing on the defense, this is a good hire for the Broncos. When there wasn't a lot of names that floated around for them except for this one itself. So in our last episode, this was a name that made a lot of sense. It still does. And looking a little bit more into Fangio after he got hired and seeing that history with Harbaugh and seeing some of his other past, it impressed me even more. And I think it's a great hire. Yeah, I think uh, Vic Fangio, so when he was the defensive coordinator of the Niners, I just remember him killing the Packers every single year. Could not figure out his defense. Um, I've liked him ever since, so I like the hire. It makes sense for the Broncos, but my gut feeling says they're going to be looking for another head coach in two years, just like they'll be looking for another quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they made a really bad choice last year with Vance Joseph. It's good to see them go with a guy with a little bit more experience, and hopefully, like we said, not that they need a giant culture change like the Buccaneers, but a guy that can really revamp this defense and... Because you know, that's really what they're good at. They can't play offense. Do what they, they can, can run do. the ball. I mean, they got Gary Kubiak, so with the two of them, we'll see what they can whip up. We're going to move on to the next one, and something Corbin's going to probably have a few words on. We decided who this is going to be. Matt LaFleur I did not to the Packers. This. Yeah, so we all last week said... They shut me out of the meetings. It was Josh McDaniel's job, unless he quote-unquote didn't want it, so I don't think he wanted it. I think he no. interviewed, kind of just put his feet in the water again, and like we said, he did sell his soul to no, Belichick and Kraft family. Uh, if you wanted the job, he would have taken it. And there's not one thing that Matt LaFleur is that McDaniels isn't. They're both very young, offensive-minded guys, both of the prototypical Sean McVay kind of guy that you're looking for nowadays. And this is where it's it's obvious with a guy like LaFleur who has a relationship with McVay and Kingsbury who is friends with McVay. And there's a lot of guys here that have that connection with McVay. Now, nowadays, instead of looking for these old-timers, you're looking for young, quote-unquote, offensive gurus. 
Cliff Kingsbury wasn't a very good head coach record-wise, but what did he do he well? Was good air raid offense. offense. It was air raid offensive guru. So that's where Matt Lafleur here and his resume is not bad. He was the offensive coordinator on the Titans and the Rams before that for Sean McVay, and before that was with Sean McVay as the quarterback coach under Shanahan on the Redskins while Sean McVay was the tight end coach. So a lot of history with McVay. You're practically also, grabbing. In between that, he was the quarterback coach for Matt Ryan during his MVP season. Okay, so he's, a stacked he's the, resume. But he's still the greater value version of what you'd hope Josh McDaniels would provide for that team. Like, I was not as impressed with the packages and the utilization of the Titans offense than I am with the Patriots offense. And that has nothing to do with the people themselves, just the packages they lined up, how they use the players. So... I say that because I think that he, he did have a quarterback that was not, for not a lot as of the impressed year. with not, the Titans as so more impressed with yes yeah, so with who the right? Titans have. I just thought they would have just provided yeah. me more excitement. They dealt with a lot of injuries that year, though. So you regardless, do have to give regardless, that some it's how the formations you line up, it's how the plays that you call. That's regardless of who you have in the game. So yeah, the Packers they shut me out of this one. I didn't get to decide. You didn't own enough stock, unfortunately not. I think they took the. Let's find the next Sean McVay thing a little too literally <laughs> and just take the guy who learned right under him. Matt LaFleur, I think... I like you want I, I don't, I don't so think, bad. Just say it. Just say what you want to say. What do you want? I, wanted, I wanted Josh McDaniels. You want a Sean McVay. Everything was pointed... Oh so yeah, he yeah. grabs the carbon yes. copy of what it's not the carbon should copy be. No, he's McVay. literally taking Sean McVay's you are ways not. completely. He was the OC for Sean McVay after being on the same offensive staff as so Sean McVay. This, so this, if Sean McVay is now the next guy that you want to model your next coach after, why not grab the guy who worked closest with Sean McVay most previously, Matt Lafleur? This is what concerns me about it. So. I get that he was the quarterback. So he was the quarterback coach for the Redskins when they had McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Mike Shanahan was the head coach Very back in 2013 stat. when the Redskins went 3-13. and 13. The so, fact that the Redskins yeah. ended up no, hiring no, no, no. Jay Gruden after having all of those guys on your coaching staff at that point and not going with any of them, shame on you. But after that, he went to Atlanta. He was the quarterback's coach for the Falcons. Matt Ryan won the MVP. Okay, great. He goes to... The Rams, he's the offensive coordinator, but he is not in charge of calling the plays. That's Sean McVay. So that gives me just some questions as to how much input did he have? How much of a difference did he make? Because he left to go take that Titans job this year. The Rams didn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. They got even better. The Titans this past year... Passing, I think overall, the as Titans an offense, are always one of those teams that's like they should, nine so and seven right overall, on the playoff hunt. Like they're always overall. Okay. The Titans offense ranked 29th in the league, which is also known as the fourth worst offense in the league. With talent on their team. Yes. You look at that team, that should not have been the 29th worst offense in the league. You see Derrick Henry, who for 13, 14 weeks of the season, what the hell happened to yeah, him? They're obviously a power run offense. How do they discover their identity like the very last second of the year? You look at Marcus Mariota, who... Yes, he had some injury issues. Not some. He, he started for a He started 13 games. He played in 14 games. He had 11 touchdown passes. Marcus Mariota is not one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but he's not a but, bad quarterback. But when, when he did play, he, he was you know, banged up. You can see it. Yes. The offense but, wasn't there. All I'm going to say is this. Regardless of how it looked with the Titans, who almost made the playoffs, by the way, he, he learned directly from Sean McVay 
And you're saying McVay called the plays and he was head coach while LaFleur was there as office coordinator. If you just sat there and just literally stared at McVay all day and watched what he did, if you can coach 75% of what McVay can do right now, that's what you're looking for. That's why you go out and hire a guy like Cliff Kingsbury who couldn't even keep a head coach job in college. But that's because what's the NFL nowadays? An offensive guru needed young youth league. Like it's just how it is. You can't hit the quarterback the same anymore. Who's taking advantage of that? Guys like Sean McVay, guys who have, are a little bit ahead of the curve, and guys like Vic, Vic Fangio are a little bit of yesterday's news, and you're going to have to go after another kind of way. But it's just one way or the other. You go after a six-year-old defensive-minded guy, in my opinion, or Bruce Arians' offensive-minded in that, yes, in that but, part. So with LaFleur, though, with the Titans' offense, the only positives are that Marcus Mariota, he had a career high in rushing yards, so obviously Aaron Rodgers can take some of that away. From, he's not... As fast as Mariota, as much. No, 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 you better not be doing But then also, the Titans had the highest expected completion percentage of any team in the NFL. Not actual, because obviously there's variables with that, but expected by, I think it was like 68%. It was 1% higher than any other team. Packers are 27th this past year with Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin's offense. Those are the only two positives. The one other negative thing that concerns me is... Um, I was listening to Colin Cowherd a few days ago, right after the Packers hired. That's your mistake, right? LaFleur. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Colin Cowherd, but he said he was him. he said he was speaking to other NFL executives after the Packers hired LaFleur, and they were saying that LaFleur had trouble just commanding a room in an offensive coordinator meeting just for the offense. Now he's gonna go be the head coach and have to be able to command a room for an entire team and an entire coaching staff. I'm not going to put a ton of weight onto that, but that is something that's just in the back of my mind, and I'm really curious to see how LaFleur is able to not just improve the Packers' offense after Mike McCarthy left, but also just change the culture and be a leader, because that's something that the Packers you desperately need. You can't go need. down from last year, so this guy's going to look good, oh, because Rodgers is going to have ask, a good Ask Hugh Jackson. Ask have, Hugh Jackson oh, if no, you can go down. No, no. You can lose. I'm talking about for the Packers. You can't go down from where you went last year. Rodgers will not allow that, unless he's injured. And now with a new coach that's going to be calling the plays, by the way, it's announced that he's full play caller. Oh, yeah. He's, him and Rodgers are going to be doing this together. Rodgers is going to pretty much do the LeBron effect. It doesn't matter who's there. Now there's a guy who's not a dickhead like Mike McCarthy, who's set in his old ways. You've got a young guy who is looking for a chance to succeed, and he knows that he's working with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. He's going to ride his coattail a little bit. Rod, okay, Rodgers, if you want an audible, that's fine. It's fine. It's cool. You know, whatever that may be, they're going to work hand in hand, and it may not be perfect at first, but... Dude, it was awful last year. So at this point now, if you got a healthy Rodgers and a guy that's willing to let Rodgers do his thing, I think at least for the offensive side of the ball, it's going to work out. Yeah, y'all sucked last year. Really bad. Really bad. We're going to move on to another guy who knows Sean McVay. What I read reports their friends worked closely together. And this is Cliff Kingsbury. They also are models together at Abercrombie and Finch. Oh, yes. (laughs) This is actually a Ryan Gosling is signed to the Cardinals to be their head coach. Uh, but yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, somebody actually brought up his name a couple times in the last two, two head coach interview or whatever we just talked about. But he was the offensive coordinator of USC for just a few two weeks. Months? 34 I days, I think. Oh, a month. Good job, yeah. 34 days and six hours and 23 minutes. Uh, but before that, he was the head coach of Texas Tech previously. And the record wasn't great, but at Texas Tech in 2013 to 2018, over that stretch... 
They ranked second in passing yards at 379.9 yards per game, second in passing touchdowns per game, 2.99, so pretty much three, second in percentage of yards that came via pass, 73%, so air raid offense, as we said, and 113 in air yards per pass attempt out of 123 schools. So they're right there as exactly what we just said, looking for an offensive-minded guy, quote-unquote, quarterback guru 30 years old young good looking whatever you want to say about the Sean McVay model you're looking for the next Sean McVay so what are you going to go look for a guy like Matt LaFleur or Kingsbury that's, that's what you're going to have to go a for much more giant shot in the dark though than Matt LaFleur yeah it is. I, I agree with you completely I'm just you, saying what, what put, we're saying for this is what you're looking for this kind of guy if you put failing up in the dictionary like seriously like you did bad at your okay he was good at offense but but he was bad at his job. Awful. When you look at your job, if you only do half your job, you're bad at your job. He was bad at his job, and he got a better job because of it. The only other thing I can think of is failing at a reality TV show and then running for president. But, like, honest to God, the only other – like, how do you suck at your job, and now you're the head coach of an NFL team? You – I just don't understand. Well, it's because of Some, the modern NFL right now. You are looking how, you for this model. You didn't even do it right at the college level. People are Look, thinking if you have professional staff that's focused I, I on the defense. And I, all I, he has to worry about is offense. Even though, yes, he's head coach. He's not an offensive coordinator. So he has to worry about a little bit more than just offense. If he goes into one defensive meeting, his, <laughs> she'll lose $100,000. Every time. Five each day he goes in. If he talks to Patrick Peterson. Five, we say, five, we said you couldn't talk no, to him. He's so. What do we say, Cliff? What do we say? I, I love. Stay away from the defensive room. It's not that hard. I love it from the sense that if you think of the NFL as like a show and it's like, oh, this new crazy character we're bringing in, like, okay, cool. Yeah, it makes sense. But like, <laughs> you couldn't run a college team. It's nice for Gridiron Heights, right? Oh my, oh. <laughs> I can't wait. I, yeah. this will be interesting. Outside of him coaching offense and not being a bad looking <laughs> dude, he doesn't offer you much. I was never hot of him as a college coach i was excited that he was taking a step back and becoming an oc in college i was like boom he's focusing on what he needs to focus on i thought offensive coordinator was in college was the perfect role for him yeah i i think this is well, a what, beautiful but listen to this what he's inheriting role. he's inheriting the first an overall pick and an awful he's, he's a young quarterback who they spent a pick on rosen so they got a guy he can mold first yeah. overall pick and then pieces there so that and a coaching staff that is willing to let him do whatever he wants. You All right, gave so ownership, a child ownership that's a Ferrari Stingray with an upgraded engine. You gave someone something to compete. They say, what are you looking for when you're going to hire someone? You go one is a success or the other. A track you're, record. Right now in 2019, when you can't touch a quarterback and all you're supposed to do is pass the ball. You're looking for the next Sean McVay. I hate to keep saying it over and over again, sounding like a broken record player. But at this point, I saw someone on Twitter say something. It was it made me laugh so hard. It said, I made eye contact with Sean McVay outside of a party in Houston two years ago. Where's my head coaching jobs? And like that's it's, it's like, dude, I rubbed shoulders with McVay in a random Ralph's in Wyoming once. Like, where the fuck's my interview? Like, at that point, you just need to like be like, oh, I knew Sean McVay's cousin once in high school. Like, and that's all you need to be like, oh offensive guru you know like i'm just saying if you knew mcveigh or worked with him in any way or you look like the prototypical quote-unquote mcveigh figure you're getting a head coaching interview at the very least right now cliff kingsbury will be a casualty of trying to catch lightning in a bottle and i promise you that, that may right be now. it i'm just saying no. that's what explains it it's not oh, that yeah, cliff kingsbury was this amazing college coach as you just said christian it's just where can i find the next mcveigh 
might be in fucking Tennessee with LaFleur, or it may be in Southern California where homeboy just took a shit at USC and left. That's it. I just hope that he doesn't like improve his resume from sucking with the Cardinals and he gets the SC head coaching job. Like <laughs> you know, I'm Sean McVay's fourth cousin twice removed. Oh, nice. So, so that means breaking Corbin's news: Corbin will interview not, not with really. the Cleveland not Browns. No, yeah, otherwise I would be the be. Dolphins but, and Bengals. No, now. the the Cliff Kingsbury stuff. I think the USC offensive coordinator position I thought was perfect for him because, like you said, he just gets to focus on offense. Uh, I thought it was going to be a nice stepping stone to get him back to be a head coach eventually within a few years, whether it be at SC or somewhere else. When I heard that the Cardinals, there was talk that NFL teams were considering him for a coaching position before he signed with SC. I thought that meant as offensive coordinator or some, some offensive type of coach. And then when I heard that the Jets and Cardinals were both interested in interviewing him for a head coaching position, I thought there's no way. They're just trying to pick his brain, learn something. Mm-hmm. Nope. Cardinals, Cardinals took it's him. What, it's, it's what I said last episode. I said Cliff Kingsbury, he's going to the Cardinals. Done deal. Like he's got a young quarterback. They're yeah, letting him do whatever he wants. It's done deal. They kind of look said. alike too. McVeigh and Kingsbury? Yeah, they look very no, 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 Ryan Gosling uh, and no, all three of them. And Kingsbury Ooh, and Josh Rosling. If and Josh Rosling got ugly and lost a little bit of his hair, like he would Josh Rosling is way too Jewy to be in that conversation. That dude's, Kingsbury that dude's is got a the, fat nose, the Jew. nose of an He's anteater. Face. Perry, Perry can say that because I'm Jewish. Jewish. I'm Jewish. Sorry, guys. Two thirds of this podcast is Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Shalom. But, but, but really, <laughs> one, one last point on this Cliff Kingsbury stuff. So either the. One of the Cardinals or Texas Tech made a huge mistake. I think it's the Cardinals. But if Sean McVay is good in... Or not Sean McVay. If See, Cliff I got, Kingsbury... I got, I got in your mind. Harry's like, look, like, if you think about it quick enough, they're the same person. Yeah. If Cliff Kingsbury is good enough to coach in the NFL, then he was good enough to coach in the Big 12 at Texas Tech. So right. one of those two places made a mistake. I think it's the Cardinals, but we'll see. Lincoln Riley... I know he re-signed with Oklahoma for oh, a longer he, deal. That would have been the next. That would have been the next prototypical guy we were just talking about right his now. His defense too. is pretty bad too, though. Yeah, yeah but he has success. Yeah, we're gonna move on to the Browns, who stayed in house, like we talked about last week. They were interviewing Kevin Stefanski, who we just said returned to the Vikings as their offensive coordinator. But they relieved Greg Williams um, from his duties. Like I know Christian said he had a family connection. So no, his uh, son coached me in college. Yeah, he had a connection there with with his family. Sorry for my wording, but nice no, yeah, uncle. It's sad. Yeah, he's he's my dad. But <laughs> <laughs> but Freddie Kitchens, you need a baker needs a kitchen. I do not like this move. <laughs> that was <laughs> you thought of that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, and you know it. I, I, I you looked, know how beautiful that was. I went to Perry's bathroom. I slipped that in so nice. I slipped that in paper. God, I slipped that so. No, I don't I like I'm this. reading it over time and time again. On this no, I'm on the fly. Down. Corbin thinks this joke is premeditated. I'm on the fly. <laughs> I don't like this move at all. Greg Williams earned that head coaching position. The fact that they stayed in house and just chose someone else that they could have chosen. When the reins were passed and they didn't and decided to go with the guy that Baker likes more, I'm not into appeasing. Speaking of Baker liking people more, in every interview, what I saw reports today, they actually FaceTimed Baker Mayfield into each interview. That's adorable, wow. but still you... No, I'm just saying that's, that's how, the, how much control I think Baker and how much mean, opinion mean, he that's, had. That's deadly. Mean, that is... Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, like three years ago, went into a Packers meeting to talk about some scheme stuff, and they said, get out, you're a player, not management. Well, that was before the contract. And just Baker Mayfield hasn't Baker's proved anything team. against a good team this year. Whenever he has good stats, he's playing suspect 28-27th in the NFL defenses. So 
you shouldn't be appeasing anyone like that. If you win six of the two games or six of the eight games that you were in charge for, you earned the head coaching position in my mind. So if Greg Williams coached his heart out and he was sent off, you know, it kind of this, unfair. And this we'll is see. the Browns. I we'll see what happens, fully but. believe the Browns will be the Browns again next year and I do. I can't wait. I do have some stats. I, I do have some stats for the Browns under Kitchens, at least with their offense from when he took over the offensive coordinator position. Cleveland offense under Freddie Kitchens, all stats since Week Nine, led the NFL in yards per play at six point eight six, tied for the league lead in yards per pass attempt at eight point seven two, fourth in yards per game three hundred ninety five point one, and fourth in passing yards per game at two hundred eighty five point nine. 23.75 points per game, 14th. It's impressive what he was able to do with that offense at Baker Mayfield, of course, because you see the snapshot of the first games. I believe it was eight touchdowns, six interceptions, and roughly about 1,000-something yards. And then that last nine games, he bounced up to 2,000-plus yards and um, you know almost 20 touchdowns. And it, it looked like Baker Mayfield was finally able to do Baker Mayfield things, and someone was allowing him to do that, and I think with Hugh Jackson leaving, that was the beginning of it all, and you got to give credit to Greg Williams, who was in charge of it all, but with the offense and Freddie Kitchens, you just have to go by numbers. You saw Nick Chubb. He was the one that took over whenever they traded Carlos Hyde, and when the whole coaching staff changed, and you were looking at it saying Baker's not playing out of his mind right now, and Jarvis is struggling, and you got now Nick Chubb instead of Carlos Hyde, who at that time was second or third in carries in the entire league. So he, he was, was he was a workhorse, you know, and that was a guy that we they went out and signed. So we thought mm-hmm. that was their guy and they were gonna develop Chubb and it was gonna take a while. They just sent him off, you know, collected whatever assets they could, promoted all these new guys and just put all the rookies in. And look what happened. They almost made the playoffs. They were like a game away from the playoffs. This is a team that we were talking about what was our season prediction? What did you guys guess? I remember mine. It was Not six 500. and ten. Mine was six and ten. Realistically, six and ten. If they got lucky, it'd be seven and nine. Yeah, and I think I had. Yeah, I think you were right games, there with me yeah. too. And that's kind of where we're all at. And it's impressive because that's where they were, and not just because of the flips that they made. When you, the coaching staff got changed and they thrusted all the rookies in, I thought it was going to be rough, but they would still squeak out like three wins. Mm. You know, it'd be more of like a five hundred, and they like. But no, it was very impressive, especially with this offense. And Kitchens did an amazing job. I'm glad they went in house. I know Christian has his opinion on it. I don't necessarily have I just one. I wish they would have the done that when they made the change I the just, first time. I don't necessarily have an opinion between the two. I'm just glad to see they didn't outsource this job when clearly the coaching staff that took over was doing a good job. So to see one of those guys at the very least get the job instead of a McCarthy. To me, that is a little bit more rewarding, and I think the players are going to react a little bit better off that. If it was Greg Williams or with him, I'm glad they stayed in-house. They're yeah. just going to lose Greg Williams because of this. And no, they already, they already relieved him of his duties, yeah. so he's not. He wasn't going to. Yeah, he do I don't know. Is just oh, no, coaching duties. Oh no, they relieved him of his coaching duties because yeah, I mean he's not going to. He issued a statement to Cleveland thanking them for their time. Like some they're, they're not going to flip. He's not going to yeah. just take a coordinator I, position in the quarterback. I'll, I'll say. I'll say this. Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens both deserved this job. They both did a tremendous job. Greg Williams was the head coach, so I thought that he would have a little bit of an edge. Evidently not. Regardless whether they had gone with Greg Williams or that they went with Freddie Kitchens, I think next year the Browns make the playoffs. I don't disagree with you. I know, Chris. I think they take a step back. I think this is the beginning of the circus of Baker Mayfield, and 
I, I think I just have this. so much confidence in John Dorsey and how much he's going to continually improve this team, and they're not just settled with where they are. And I think that they have a coach now that knows what he has in Baker Mayfield and has to just kind of let him do his thing. And yeah, he's going to have to learn how to be a head coach instead of just an offensive guy. But what do we just continue to talk about pretty much for every single one of these hirings except for the Broncos hiring? Offensive mind, and you're looking for a guy that's going to sit here and conform to this new 2019 way of playing in the NFL. And it's Buy just, in, sip the Kool Aid, and promote your offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can disagree. I'm just like we said, I'm just glad they stayed in house. And we're going to talk about one that I completely disagree with Adam Gase to the Jets, something that dropped today. This guy does not deserve to be a head coach right now. I expected him to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere, but. Adam Gase, he's not a quarterback guru. That's what I heard from someone, and I went off on them. Gase's Dolphins, 2016 to 2018, the slowest operating offense, 25th in red zone efficiency, joins a Jets that ranked 30, 30th in 2018 and 24th in total rushing yards. This is not a team that was exciting. Yeah, maybe when Tannehill was in, they found a way to squeak out wins, but Adam Gase didn't do anything crazy, and it's not like he... He was a guy, like when I saw an interview with Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens, I like I like them as guys. Like mm. I root for them. Like you know, some of these guys, you're like, oh, yeah, I would, I would want to play for him if I was a player. Like I wouldn't want to play for Adam Gase. He's just no. a douche. Like when I hear him, like after the game and stuff, I'm not a fan of Adam Gase, and I didn't like what he did with the Dolphins. So I don't like what he's gonna do with the Jets. I think they should have went with McCarthy here, guys. And I don't know if you agree with me. And I know Corbin, as a Packers fan, might have a little bit more insight on McCarthy, but. McCarthy put himself out of contention for every job and said, uh, the only one yeah. I want to focus on is the Jets. I thought that was a done deal. I thought that. I thought, I thought so when too. he said that, that means that he's had enough inclination from them to where that's been guaranteed to him. Mm-hmm. So clearly he's taken a year off. But Adam Gase, I, it's just, I would have preferred them going after a guy like Cowboys coach Chris Richard, Richard or whatever you – he's had an – oh, my – this is a guy that's been highly touted and it's a defensive guy, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that can come in and teach Jamal Williams. I mean, these guys, these young guys that have a – Handle on the game. That's the guy you got to go for. And Adam Gase just seems like the perfect coach for a guy like Jay Cutler. It's, I love it. You you always kind of wonder like, does he have like tapes on someone? Like, or is his agent? Like, no. What kind of like, cigarettes do you smoke? Like, is the only question I have when I see him. I'm like, damn, you're such a scumbag. I'm sure you smoke like Marlboro <laughs> Reds or he, Blacks and just hate your family. He like. was so bad at his job. I'm surprised the Cardinals didn't give him an interview. Like, I. I <laughs> <laughs> it's beyond me. I'm a huge SC and Sam Darnold fan. It makes me scared because I thought they were a team that, you know, if you put in a good offensive line. And the Jets feel confident that, that bringing in Gase is for Darnold. This is a guy they're bringing for Darnold's development. And I just disagree. But fumble 2.0. I don't know. This the, is, uh, <sighs> the only success that Adam Gase has really had in his coaching career has been when he was with the Broncos as an offensive coordinator in 2013 and 2014. I believe... One of those years is when they won the Super Bowl. With Peyton Manning. Uh, you didn't have to have an offensive he coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator. Well, actually, no. That was before they won the Super Bowl. But that was... They had a really good offense. Um, really, really good. One of the best offenses ever. Um, so, I mean, how can you fail with that? But then he goes and he's the offensive coordinator with the Brown or the Bears for one year. And then he becomes the head coach of the Dolphins. The Dolphins didn't have much talent offensively for the last three years. But, yeah, he didn't really do anything to make that offense any better i don't think i think for the talent they had they were about as good as they should have been right 
I completely agree. And Which with, is scary for any Jets fans, I would think. I agree. I This is the one signing that I can say I'm not a fan of at all. This is not like, – I can't justify this. This is just a guy that I thought would have had to switch to an offensive coordinator position. I thought this would have been the exact guy. Dirt cutter, I thought that would have been. Uh, and we're going to move on to the Dolphins who – Adam Gase left, but the Dolphins don't have much news for them. There's not a lot of interviews set up, so once we get more news, we'll obviously tweet they that out. They can still get McCarthy and jo- like He took himself out of, out of contention yeah, for any job with the Jets. or nothing, so he... I don't know Sk- if he, He's redshirting? I don't know if he well, Bruce Arians said it was going to be the Browns or nothing, and then look well, at him in Tampa. McCarthy, I don't know if McCarthy came out and said or if there was just a report, but it was saying that McCarthy is going to sit out this year and then he'll be one of the top, if not the top head coaching candidate next year, which as much as I dislike how his tenure ended up with the Packers, yeah, it makes sense. And with the Bengals, Vance Joseph, the former head coach for the Broncos and Hugh Jackson still in the mix. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm, don't even get me started. It's going to be Hugh Jackson. Let's listen to our last episode if you want to hear our reaction on Hugh Jackson. <laughs> it's going to be Hugh. But with, with, the, um, with Vance Joseph, if he doesn't get the Bengals job, it's rumored that he is going to be the defensive coordinator for Adam Gase and the Jets. So, Why don't just go to the Dolphins and be the head coach? Who knows? The Dolphins don't have a ton of news coming out right now, but Vance Joseph, a guy that didn't have a ton of success... You know, that's, that's, you know, I don't disagree with any of the moves that we've talked about so far, but rehiring a guy like Vance Joseph, Hugh Jackson, Adam Gase, these are guys that don't have the success, and I don't think you're going to find it. These aren't, okay, they're perfect for the new modern NFL. They're not really. These are guys that should be left behind or just with coordinator positions. Uh, just to our next topic, Steelers to consider trades for Antonio Brown before the start of free agency and will ask for a lot, likely to be traded by March, according to reports. Yeah. We don't have to stick on it too much because we've talked a lot yeah, about Antonio about Brown. I think it just shows more that the Steelers are willing to take the cap hit, and I think a rebuild's on the way. I do agree. And with yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, he restructured his contract just this last yeah. week in just in case this does happen. So it looks like signs are starting to point there. Another, with free agency, we have Thomas Rawls, former running back for the Seahawks, who decided with the Jaguars today. Fournette, I think, there just shows how unconfident they are in him. Not that this is the guy they're bringing in to take his job, but they're gonna. They brought in Hyde, and they brought in you know yelled He's at him. Injury prone, they need depth. They got to bring in as many guys as possible. And with Alan Hearns, we're talking about injury prone. It's not necessarily it's just that ankle injury, guys. In the wild card game, yeah. if you didn't see it, you can go look on our our Twitter. I I now. Definitely hate that I did it because I have to watch the video every time I go on our page, yeah. but I had to tweet it. So go watch it, guys. The ankle just snaps, but thankfully he is already going to be ready for yeah. the next season. His therapy is already going well. He responded well to surgery, uh, and even though it looked gruesome, it wasn't as bad it, as well. It's very thought. counterintuitive with those kind of things. When you break your leg like that, it's honestly better than tearing your ACL uh, or tearing your Achilles. And I know it's weird to say, right. but your bone will hear, heal better and more right. complete than your ligaments or something like that. So prayers up to him. He's a guy who wears 17 on his jersey for the 17 people who passed away in the Stoneman Douglas massacre. I didn't know and that. That's awesome. I didn't know that he either. actually has a nonprofit where you know he violence in schools is something that he focuses on. And show. he off the field is someone that I want to give major props to because 
if you're a good person, I, I feel like bad stuff shouldn't happen to you as yeah. often, and it's very sad to see. But look at a guy like Paul like George, that. Gordon Hayward. These are yeah. good guys that clearly have bounced back. Yeah. And, and this you can make it happen. Another guy who's just going to bounce back. Come stronger. I'm hopefully. confident about it. And it really, I was a Cowboys fan. You know, he's not having the best year in the world, but he's, you know, putting up the numbers he was I drafted him 64th overall. <laughs> and, but I'm still rooting for this guy, even yeah. if you're not. Allen man. Yeah. Just a great, great recovery, or, or we're hoping for yeah. for you, and that's it. I'm rooting for a Cowboy. That's how much I like you, dude. Speaking about someone that is an asshole off the field, not someone that's a good one, we're going to talk about Ruben Foster very quick. His domestic violence charges dropped. This is charge number 55, and it's just it seems like he hasn't had any positive things to say about him since joining the NFL. He hasn't been anything special in the field, and the only thing he's been hitting is women. So I'm not going to... Boom. I'm, I'm going to end on a... I've just been on fire today, but... We're not going to go too much into it because we have talked about him previously. But, I just want to you know. say one thing. I would like to see the NFL, even if there's not a legal charge being pressed against this man, let's just be rid of him. Look and at stop Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, six yeah. games when he was proven innocent. Uh, no, I'm, I'm done Why with games. We, we I, I don't want to see a man like this in the NFL. I hope that there is no room for guys like him and Kareem, Kareem Hunt, Hunt they and start Ray a Rice. Group. These are guys that need to go get help. And yes. there should be no little kids rooting for them wearing their names on the back of their fucking jerseys. Yeah, and agree. you're a dickhead, and you need to seriously, like, just... 49ers and Redskins, That's it. This I Ruben expect Foster, better. We, we all expect better, and the fact that you're on a team right now is, is baffling, but there should be no room in the NFL for, for men like you if you deserve the title of man. I would I call him more of a boy. Uh, we were going to talk about the all pro team, but it's going to take a little bit longer than we thought. So go check that out. We'll tweet it. We already tweeted it out. So go look at that. You know, Mahomes, Gurley, some of the more obvious names. Yeah. Really quickly, just one thing on that. David Bakhtiari, who was an all pro for, I believe the third time in his career. My twin. He, (laughs) he still has not made one pro bowl. It's just, it's funny. The difference is he was an alternate for the pro bowl and, I mean, so many players end up sitting out. He'll probably make it, right. but he was not voted in, and it's just—he's a California all, boy, all played in Colorado. People. Yeah, is Corbin drafted him personally? But David Bakhtiari, you are a dog as an offensive lineman. I have modeled my game after you. I've watched you for years, and if anyone who's a fan of him, if anyone needs any props as an offensive lineman right, right. now, it's Quentin Nelson. Gee, that guy is yeah. a rookie. A guy that has completely helped change the culture yeah. in Laid Indianapolis. Laid out Clowney. He's an All-Pro and Darius Leonard, their rookie yeah. linebacker who yeah, led the linebacker. led the entire league in tackles. He's just a tackle machine. So I just want to bring up the fact that they had two first-round picks that both made All-Pro first team. Or that Leonard is wasn't even a first-round pick. Sorry, second-round pick. Sorry, two, two of South their top Carolina picks. State. Two draft picks. Two yeah. draft picks. It's just I cannot believe that, and that's just such props to the Colts and how they were exactly able to draft. The and you know what? I'll give I'll give props to the Cowboys because I know Leighton Vander Esch didn't make the first-team mm-hmm. All-Pro, such, but such a he, great year. He I didn't think he's going to do as well as I, he did so, on I, yeah. I, And I told you that, Christian, when we were looking at the pre-draft process, and I said, you know, <laughs> oh, they, I, they, could, I, they could have went up or down you. Know, they could have traded up for Derwin James, which exactly is something that I was, we were, we were a little upset when I was talking about that because you could see the impact mm-hmm. that Derwin James had this year yeah. and he was just within a couple picks. You could picks. still be a little upset. You no, know, of course, but having a guy like Leighton yeah. Vander Esch come in here, a guy like Darius Leonard, these kind of linebackers nowadays, and you look at a guy like Sean Lee who's just really mm-hmm. phasing out now, and to have guys like him and Jalen Smith who I know we're yeah. both very high on too, yeah. to have the two of them back there, it just seems like yeah. one of the best linebacking duos for the future. Sean it's, Lee. It might be. The it, it might be the best, and we'll see moving on to next year but 
it's very it's it, to know that the linebacking core is taken care of like this moving forward. It's yeah. reassuring. When the Cowboys drafted Van Der Esch, I was very happy because I just thought it was He's not. Suck. Yeah, I but, was I was confident. I said they knew the guy. He was. In I, the most, I remember most most meetings. Most I didn't know meetings. that he used to hunt wolves by himself as a kid. Like he's a he's a psycho. <laughs> he was in like eight man Idaho football. I don't know. If okay, you guys that's knew weird. That, but yeah, he like he, he hunts in, wolves. No, he hunts he's wolves. a psycho. He did the wolf. That's a linebacker. A linebacker is the guy that just like eats chalk in his basement, and you're like, oh, I get to kill people for money. I'll play football. That's a middle linebacker. And then didn't, didn't you see Blue Mountain State? You saw how crazy he was. That castle. I'm not even gonna get into it, but that is the most perfect comparison because they look alike. <laughs> they went to the school they were imitating. Like, oh, I love it. Oh, let's get that that castle jerseys, guys. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Blue Mountain State, though, you please need tune to watch in it. wherever you can find it. I don't even know where you can find it nowadays. I think it's still on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I, is it really? Yeah, because they had the movie that came out. They're probably gonna take it down in 2019 coming around. Everyone up soft. and watch it. Right. Everyone's soft. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to NFL Unwrapped. You can go follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped, where you can find everything going on right now with head coaching news, with updates on the playoff games. Catch us this weekend. We're going to be fully on that, guys. So thank you so much for listening to us. Make sure to listen to us on podcast.com and the Apple Podcast app. If you're on there, leave us a five-star review and keep an eye out for our website dropping at the end of this week. We're going to have a ton of articles ton of things on there all of our latest episodes all things sports just finished the college football one with mike christian and mike are heading that one up so we're gonna have both these episodes out for you in the next day or two and of course that website so keep an eye out for that and i just wanted to thank you guys again if your team's still in the playoffs good luck well enough thank you guys